Are one of these teams going to end the Grey Cup drought? Is anyone ready to call that right now? Any, any crazy predictions out there? No. It's week seven. I, I really like what I see from Winnipeg. Uh, sorry to jinx it, but Here we go. I, yeah, that's a jinx if I've ever. This heard is of. a prediction coming. I've never lived that's in a, a world a good where they can team. win. So all of a sudden, everybody's wondering who's going to stop the Montreal Alouettes, and and not just overall, but. In fantasy, they're putting up some pretty good numbers. We welcome you to week seven of the CFL Fantasy Podcast brought to you by Leo Vegas. We've got a lot to talk about, and Montreal is a big topic. But not only that, we've got the Saskatchewan Rough Riders with a big week on offense and uh, maybe some signs of struggles for some of the guys we've been talking about a lot as of late. Welcome to week seven. CFLfantasy.tsn.ca is the website. You can get your picks in once again for the seventh week of the year and once again you're playing for a very unique prize one of a kind championship ring along with a trip for two to the Grey Cup in Calgary my name is Pat Steinberg alongside Hannah Nordman and Jeff Creever, and we've got a lot to talk about this week let's jump right into what happened in Sask because that Riders BC matchup and the Riders they've been as Jekyll and Hyde as any team in the league this year one week they're hot the next week they're not but going into the season, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders were this team where we said, hey, we're avoiding them in fantasy right now. We don't know what to expect. Um, they've got some weapons, but we don't know what, what Zach Kolaros is going to do. It's starting to look like that's changed. After writing the Riders off, big performance, nearly 40 points against the BC Lions. You had Kyron Moore. You had Shaq Evans. You had Cody Fajardo, all with big games. Marcus Thigpen with a kick return touchdown. Have we changed our mind about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in fantasy? And if so, what's different now? Well, to give us some credit, not only did we not know Cody Fajardo would be the quarterback, we didn't know that he was going to be this effective. So I think that's what's changed. I wouldn't have expected him to be as effective as he's been. He's put up good totals in the majority of his games, and he's passing those along to his receivers. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking at this Sask team a lot more than I was three, four weeks ago. It's all about the quarterback for me. He has, I think, surprised everyone with the way that he's played and the way that he bounced back against BC, I think, was a really good sign because he was not great in his last outing against Calgary. And a lot of people, even a lot of people in Regina, were starting to wonder whether or not the the bloom had started to come off the rose, and well, okay, well, maybe maybe Fajardo wasn't as good as we thought he was. He bounced back really well against BC, so that's changed. That's changed everything to me. And Zach Caleros, for whatever reason, just hasn't been able to get things back on track after the the rash of injuries he ran into in Hamilton carried over to last year in Saskatchewan. Right now, this is Cody Fajardo's team, and. While it's his team and while he's playing this well, I think they're a completely different team from our perspective, the three of us talking about fantasy, than they were at any point last year. The bloom off the rose. I like that saying. You wrote it in the Monday morning quarterback, too. So uh, check that out. You know, Pat, arguing with Marsh again this week on Berg versus Ferg, always arguing, but you, you, one of the questions uh, that you guys are talking about is the biggest surprise this year, and, and you talk about the BC Lions and their slow start, Montreal Alouettes and their hot start, but for me, and both of you hit the nail on the head, 
a big surprise for me, possibly the most pleasant surprise, uh, is Cody Fajardo because he's been a terrific at quarterback. Zach Caleros is not getting this job back at this rate. And yeah, Cody Fajardo had one bad start. Yeah, the consistency's not there yet where I'm ready to say, hey, this guy's a lock every single week, but the upside is obvious. And if I'm the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, a team that's been looking for the next guy at quarterback ever since Darian Durant left, I got to be really excited about the prospects of Cody Fajardo moving forward. And from a fantasy perspective, 100% he makes this team fantasy relevant. You look at the weapons he's got, Kyron Moore, Shaq Evans. I mean, Shaq Evans, three weeks out of four, 100 yards receiving now. He's talented. Uh, they got a good running back. Things are looking up there. And, and to me, especially with the prices being low and where Cody Fajardo's priced right now, um, a solid mid-range fantasy quarterback, I'm all over that. So... For me, a lot's changed there, and, and you guys are, are 100% right. It starts and ends well, with Cody Fajardo in the quarterback. And you know what else makes him really interesting right now? He has a rushing touchdown in every single game that he's played this year. And for our purposes, if you've got a quarterback getting you one rushing touchdown a week, he becomes a whole lot more interesting. So that's just a little added element as to why all of a sudden Fajardo's turned into one of the more interesting guys in the game that we play. The Riders' offense is hot. It's hot here. A lot of humidity in Toronto. We're getting by. Hannah's getting by anyway. Barely. I mean, Hannah, Hannah's strategy in the hot weather is to eat cold food, which I can't ever say that the temperature has affected my diet or what I decide to eat. How's that working for you? It's, it's serious. Like, I can't turn on an oven. I can't cook because my apartment's too hot. Even just hot food makes me feel sick. So, I don't know. A lot of salads balanced out with a lot of ice cream. Like, it doesn't become a healthy diet. <laughs> it's salad and ice cream. It keeps that is me the summer alive. Diet. Uh, $1 iced coffee. Throw a Corona in there? I mean... Yeah, sure. Anything cold, I'm all over it. Um, I'm not handling it well, though. Basically, the way I handle it is to complain on Twitter, so... Not yeah, my, my the AC in my condo building is, is pretty good, um, but it comes and goes, and it's, it's an older building. And sometimes I catch myself walking around with, uh, well, you know, not a whole lot to, not a whole lot to leave to the imagination. And, and unfortunately, my building faces another building, so I got to be careful sometimes when I'm walking between uh, the bedroom and the kitchen or whatever. And and uh, I I don't know. I feel like it's not as much on me as people in the other building not to look through my windows into my condo. Like Jeff, family show, right? man. I think Let's that's a keep fair this assumption. PG. Um, also, no, that's definitely on you. They just want to look me. out their window and have I don't even have curtains on my door, so okay, people can so it's see on right you. through my... It's absolutely on you. Okay, it's not like someone can be looking out their window and accidentally see right through my living room and into my kitchen. So that's their fault. That's, that's not how, on me. That's, that's how windows work. Uh, Calgary, which is where Pat usually resides, they had some weird weather over the weekend, but Pat is currently in Germany, is that right? Yeah, I, uh, that's a good subject change from what we were talking about earlier. Uh, that's, uh, that's where I am right now. It's lovely. I'm quite enjoying it. It's hot here, but I, uh, I don't really appreciate when people in cold weather climates complain about the heat. So Give me cold any day of the week. If you complain about the heat, you can't complain about it being cold. I never that's do. That's, that's the deal. That's, that's Hannah's the rule, too. I'll never complain well, about the heat. I will never complain about the heat. And give I've never once complained about the give cold. Give me 35 plus 
as opposed to 35 below no, no. any day of I'm the same, yeah, I'm the, I'm say the, the same people boat. who have air conditioning. <laughs> get out of here. Hey, I, don't, I don't have air conditioning. I love the humidity. I'll soak up the heat. I went for a walk in the park this weekend on Saturday, the hottest day of the week. And, uh, you know, people in the park were handing out uh, free ciders it was from Brickworks, local place in Toronto. It was great. Although the cider wasn't cold, so I had to wait to get home to put it in the fridge to drink it. But... It was a nice stroll, uh, fun day, and you know what? I'll, I'll take the heat any day. I- I'm with Pat there. No. Two against one. Try a try a wet washcloth. I don't have air conditioning. A I wet get through. Try a fan. There's there's a lot of. You also don't ways have the humidity that it. we're dealing with here. It, the temperature is not the problem. It's the humidity. It is humid. It is heavy air. That's Ship for sure. Ship me back to the prairies and give me the dry heat. I'll be fine. It's a lot of complaining. Uh, now there was uh, there was not a lot of complaining. If you had riders in your lineup in week number six, I did not. So. I was complaining more, but if you were a Riders fan and you had Riders in your Week 6 fantasy lineup, how about 27 points from Shaq Evans? He went off again. 26 from Cody Fajardo, who we already talked about, and yeah, Kyron Moorhead 18 wasn't bad either. Rounding out the top five last week in terms of good players, well, uh, Vernon Adams Jr. had himself a really solid game against a good Edmonton defense. Lions quarterback Mike Riley and Argos running back James Wilder, while they weren't overly popular with players in CFL fantasy. They both had solid weeks at 25 points each. Outside of that, big names uh, not great. Nick Dembski just 0.4 points before leaving with injuries. Eric Rogers, Lamar Durant of Calgary and BC respectively each failed to hit 4 points. Greg Ellingson at 5.8 points. Darwin Adams under 7 points. And among the high scores this week were defenses. Calgary and Winnipeg both hit not just double digits, but hitting 20 points in their Week 6 victories. Overall, pretty frustrating week for fantasy players. I know I can put myself in that category. Uh, It was not a great week if you had big-name players in your lineup. Yes, we are all very sad for Pat Steinberg and his frustrating week. Sorry, Pat. Our condolences. Hannah, sitting on top of the CFL Fantasy Podcast mountain right now, Uh, leading the three of us, taking over the leaderboard ahead of Pat Steinberg after uh, an 86-point week, well, 87 points uh, for 611 on the season. Uh, Pat in second, just behind Hannah, and I'm uh, I'm still lagging behind. Despite having the best week out of the three of us, I had 98 points. You, made, you made up some ground this week. I'll I made up that. some ground. Uh, as Rod Black likes to say, don't go anywhere. Because there's plenty of season left to be played, and uh, if I can catch up, you can too. And uh, hey, Hannah, pretty good week too. 87 points. That's that's a good score considering some of the low uh, some of the low scoring that was out there. And having that defense uh, obviously a key. Congrats to our overall leader through six weeks, Western Willie, whose name I believe we've seen up there before, um, but he just unseated Time Man 34. And the best overall week went to Jason B, and he had. Cody Fajardo, Shaq Evans, Juwan Breskason, and the Stampeders defense on his roster uh, for a total nearing 140 points. So, um, again, not a lot of points out there, but uh, the, the key is consistency. And if you, if you just scraped by, you're okay with it. Yeah, I'll take that. The defense really saved me. It's never a good week when your defense is your highest scoring player. No, but, you know... <laughs> Count one for the defenses. Count a win for the defenses and all you people out there, that and, and they exist, that have never taken a defense in fantasy and refused to do so because 
I tell you, even you could have all the highest salaries and you did not have a good week if you didn't have either Winnipeg or Calgary's defense this week. Yeah, they were needed for sure. All right, let's throw it to Hannah for the fantasy flash. All right. Rick Campbell has indicated that Jonathan Jennings will start a second consecutive game. The Red Blacks head coach says injured starter Dominique Davis needs another week. In Winnipeg, Nick Dembski was at practice Monday but did not participate. Chris Matthews did practice but was limited. Keep an eye on their status for Friday's game. Lucky Whitehead, meanwhile, as a full participant at Bombers practice, as was linebacker Adam Big Hill. Stamps running back Romar Morris appears to be ahead of schedule after tearing his Achilles last November. He practiced on Monday, though he remains on the six-game injured list and will not play this week. Keep an eye on the status of Argos running back James Wilder Jr. The Toronto Sun's Frank Ziccarelli reports he's dealing with a rib injury. If he can't play, Brandon Burke suddenly becomes a possible value play at that position. Finally, Argos receiver Armonte Edwards missed practice early this week. Make sure he's healthy before you put him in your lineup. Keep it dialed to CFL.ca throughout the week for the latest fantasy news heading up to game time. I was writing the script and I was like, do you keep it dialed to a website or sure. how does that work? Um, yeah, a lot to be excited about there with some cheap running backs, especially if James Wilder doesn't play. I'm liking my options this week. Uh, unrelated note, happy anniversary, one year anniversary to Johnny Manziel. One year anniversary of the trade, one of the biggest trades uh, in recent memory. Uh, and uh, not a whole lot to talk about there, I guess. We look back on it a year later. Worked out okay for the Thai Cats, and uh, not even hey, in the, the Montreal, league. And Jeff the Montreal Alouettes are pretty good too. So, yeah. do you still have your Johnny Manziel underwear on right now, Jeff? Because <laughs> it sure does sound like it. I definitely have my Johnny Manziel socks on, like the Bab socks, but for Johnny. Remember, Manziel. it was it was this time last year that I was in an apartment in Galway, That's Ireland. That's true. One of the most epic podcast about rants. Johnny Manziel. I remember it vividly. <laughs> you yelled at us for like ten minutes straight, <laughs> and I was right. You, there, there were some. Yeah, your argument was uh, grounded in sound reason. That's for sure. Let's start with the Stamps quarterback situation because. Nick Arbuckle was by far the most chosen quarterback in fantasy last week. Um, you, you guys both had him, didn't you? I, I believe yeah. you both had Nick Arbuckle in your lineup, uh, which is part of the reason I went the contrarian route. Too many people taking Nick Arbuckle. I went with Cody Fajardo. Um, Arbuckle, juicy matchup against the Argos. It's not that he struggled per se, but he just wasn't his usual self against the defense that everybody thought he would light up. He also made a couple of critical mistakes in that game that really could have cost the Stamps the game if not for the Argos turning the ball over seven times. So call it a speed bump, uh, but Nick Arbuckle gets the win. What do we take from his performance against Toronto? And what do we look for this week from him? I guess, I guess it really wasn't overly surprising to me Mainly because what we've seen since he's taken the reins from Bo Levi Mitchell is a guy that he's looked good, he's been accurate, he still was, I, I know he made the two mistakes, those are the only two picks he's thrown all year, but they haven't really opened up the playbook in a big way with Arbuckle, and I think that's by design. I think we're talking about them being fairly conservative with the way they're going to go about using him right now. We're still talking about a guy who's only got less than a handful of CFL starts under his belt. So for them to... I, w I was certainly hoping that they would light up the Argos and we'd be talking about a four-touchdown, 400-yard performance from a Calgary quarterback, but it didn't happen that way. The reason I was hoping was because I had him in my lineup. and So, yeah, it didn't go that way, but I can't say that I'm super surprised that 
we're talking about, you go take a look at his numbers. From a fantasy perspective, they haven't been outstanding. Not I think great. It's because the Stamps are keeping it pretty conservative with the way that they're using their first-year starting quarterback. Uh, this, is, this is, I guess, now that we've seen it for a few weeks, it's, it's not the most surprising thing in the world. I think I've had him in my lineup two consecutive weeks, and he hasn't topped 15 points yet. He hasn't topped 20 points yet this season, and I think that's what we're going to get from him. So me putting him in my lineup has kind of cooled because there are so many of those options under $7,000. So I think I'm backing off fantasy-wise here. Yeah, which when you're looking at him as a bargain in between five dollars and $6,000, you're saying, hey, I'll take 14 or 15 points. That's fine. Now, there are a lot of options that are at that lower end, like you said. Uh, Cody Fajardo's still down there. Uh, Vernon Adams, though he's on a bye week, he's been down there. Even McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Is putting uh, up better numbers. Yeah, who I have in my lineup this week, uh, partially because of Argo's game scripts, right? He's throwing the ball. He's chucking it 40 times a game. Uh, And there's some good playmakers there in Toronto. He's putting up numbers, too. So, yeah, and and, and he's cheap. So, um, the thing with young quarterbacks is they don't often throw a lot of touchdown passes. They'll move the ball. But drives tend to stall, and red zone efficiency uh, doesn't tend to be as good. And two weeks ago, Nick Arbuckle threw for 350 yards. Couldn't find the end zone, so his fantasy points weren't so good, even though he had a really solid game from a football perspective. So I think with young quarterbacks, you always have to temper expectations, and he'll, he'll have that game where he breaks out and really goes off for a lot of points. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just enjoy the process. It's, it's fun to watch, and he does have a good matchup this week. The Argos were last in the league uh, going into last week. Uh, well, sorry, second last in the league in opponent passing yards. Ottawa third last in the league, right there with Toronto. So it is a favorable matchup for Nick Arbuckle. Uh, the Stamps have the receivers to do some damage, and and Ottawa's offense is struggling to move the football. So I still like Nick Arbuckle this week. There is a big divide between Nick Arbuckle, the quarterback, and Nick Arbuckle, the fantasy quarterback. And he is looking very effective as quarterback of this team, which, of course, starts the rumor mill could Bo Levi Are we going there? Sure. All right. You you want to bring this up. I know. So. I wrote it in the rundown. I have to I have to I have to hype it up a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm the guilty. I put is, it in the rundown. I'm not calling out <laughs> Hannah here. The question is, could there be a scenario where Bo Levi Mitchell gets traded and they go forward with Nick Arbuckle? Is that a situation that could actually happen? Are we trying to get Pat on another crazy rant right now? Maybe. I just the, where where do these rumors even come from? Like they're they're completely they're completely unfounded and at a left field. So the guy wins MOP and then goes loses his first game of the defense season, gets hurt. Now all of a sudden his starting job is in jeopardy. Uh, I, these rumors are the. It sure does feel like. As soon as another guy came in and won a couple of games for the Stampeders, somebody was like, well, we got to start a quarterback, quarterback controversy conversation. The fact of the matter is, Bo Levi Mitchell is still the guy. They wouldn't have signed him to that contract in February if they weren't confident he's the guy. What The, the, the question that you have to ask is not all of a sudden is Calgary shifting course when it comes to who their quarterback is. Bo's 27 years old. The question is, what do they have in Nick Arbuckle? How valuable is this time that he's getting right now starting games? And how much of an asset do they have there 
if indeed they want to explore that. I, I think Bo Levi Mitchell trade conversation is ludicrous. I really do, and I don't know where it's coming from. Whereas Nick Arbuckle conversation come winter 2020, yeah, that's a little bit more interesting to me because I think there's a chance the Stampeders would look at him as a trade asset and a guy that they could get something good in return for. That wasn't nearly as angry as I was hoping for. Um, I agree. It's ludicrous to I'm be talking zen. about. I'm very zen. I'm on vacation. I'm very zen. It's absolutely... You're relaxed, right? Okay. You're, he's chilling it's out. Also, it's, also, it's also midnight in Berlin. Okay. You don't want to wake up all of Berlin on the CFL Fantasy Podcast. I, I get it. It's fair. Um... Uh, because with that rant last year, you might have woken up all of Berlin. Um, I agree with you. It's ludicrous. And that's what kind of makes it fun to talk about, right? It's, it's far-fetched. Uh, but guess what? Sometimes these trades happen in the CFL. Sometimes these crazy, insane things that you never expect happen in the CFL. Happened with Ricky Ray, uh, which was one of the most unexpected. Although, that would be, yes, it was in the offseason. This would certainly be unprecedented for it to happen during the season. But... I will say this. The only thing I'll say that, that gives any merit to that at all is do teams start to wonder whether they can win with a quarterback um, of that salary on their roster? Because I think the BC Lions are starting to figure out that it's kind of hard to build a team when you're committing that kind of money to the quarterback with Mike Riley there. I digress. Bo Levi Mitchell, definitely not going anywhere. Um, as fun as that is to talk about, that's, that's Bo's team. And uh, and they're going to be building statues for him there in Calgary one day. So fun to talk about, uh, especially if you're an Argos fan and you're thinking, man, we could use a quarterback right about now. We they could sure use could. somebody there. We got, a few, we got a few guys we could trade. We got a few assets we could give up to get Bo on our team. And, uh, and fast forward that rebuild a little bit. But uh, you know what? Just enjoy the ride with Nick Arbuckle because he is a lot of fun to watch. And uh, I, I got to give Pat full points for this one. I thought he, I thought he handled that well with grace and, and, uh, and honesty and made a lot of good points. Jeff was just trolling. Based on his reaction when he threw it over to you, he Not was trolling. trolling at all. He was looking for it was a It baffled me. It, was an actual, it was an actual rumor uh, from, a, from an actual connected person, a, a reporter. Um, and it baffled me. It, it surprised me. I'm not saying it's wrong. Uh, it would just completely shock me. All right. Stamps up against the Red Blacks in week seven. And they had a tough week six. Only put up one point. After a 2-0 start, they've now lost three straight. So can we give Ottawa something sunny to think about? What's going right in Ottawa? Is there anything to feel positive about right now? Jeff, do you got anything? Uh yeah, I think there's there are a few things to like in Ottawa, namely John Crockett. I, I thought he really made their running game uh, look a lot different, and it's no knock on Moses Madu, who's a good, reliable veteran, but I thought Crockett brought a little bit more explosiveness there. I also think it showed that Dominic Davis is, is further along than people think, and, and I think he's the long-term starter for this football team. Jonathan Jennings just doesn't look uh, like he's a long-term answer there, and we'll touch more on Jennings in a moment, but I think when you have Dominic Davis in there, this is a competitive football team that can win football games, and when you have a weapon like John Crockett, add some receivers. R.J. Harris was out last week. I think that also hurt the Red Blacks. You're talking about their two most dynamic weapons in Dominique Davis and R.J. Harris. So I think if you get those two guys on the mend, uh, the Red Blacks are going to be a lot better than what we were seeing against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers last week. That's for sure. I don't think it's yeah. time to hit the panic button. 
the thing that I think really stands out is the fact that as much as Davis has got a lot of work to do in specifically the passing game, he's still he's still got that explosiveness and that dynamic ability to on any given play bust a big gain. And I just don't think they've got that with Jonathan Jennings. And I know that's where we're going next, so uh, I guess we can go there. But I think that there's there's no doubt right now that if you're the the Red Blacks, you're like, okay, we'd like Jennings. Uh, sorry, we'd like Davis to get back as as soon as possible. And I don't know if we would have seen that coming coming into the season. I know that he won the job at a training camp, but I don't know if we would have been saying a third of the way through the season that, geez, the Red Blacks need Dominique Davis and they can't really afford him to be injured. He just adds a little something. He's explosive, he's exciting, and he's dynamic. And no knock on Jonathan Jonathan Jennings, but what we saw from him in his first start of the season and what we've seen from him the last couple of years, we just haven't seen that same type of thing. Yeah, talk about a one-two punch as far as going up against defenses, starting in Winnipeg and now up against Calgary week two. Not giving a lot of options there. Um, it's, John- like, it's like running into a brick wall full speed and then collecting yourself <laughs> And then running into a brick wall full speed again. By the way, when I was six years old, I had to get a stitch on my forehead because I ran into a brick wall. That doesn't I was running surprise through, me. I was running through a sprinkler with, uh, with friends on, on, the, on the lawn. Actually. And uh, ran, ran through the sprinkler, eyes closed, and then boom, right into a brick wall. I have my own sprinkler injury story, so I can't. They're dangerous. Yeah, well, you running into a wall does make a lot of sense. I was impressed by John Crockett, who had 88 yards against a stingy, Bombers run defense. He had 12.8 points in that game, so not bad for him. And he is reasonably priced still at, at running back $4,500. So that could be an option. We have a rare doubleheader on Thursday Toronto Argonauts in Edmonton. Long live the night, even longer. <laughs> we get to hear that song for two straight <laughs> games. Uh, Esk's offense really struggled in week six, uh, they only had 10 points. Only 17 offensive first downs. Are you guys concerned they didn't score a touchdown for the second time this season? I'm not. I'm not really concerned. I, Jeff, I know that a couple weeks ago you weren't as on board, but I've been saying for weeks you got to give this Montreal defense a little bit more credit. And against the best offense that we've seen consistently this year, they did a really nice job. I, I still like a lot of what they have playmaker-wise. In the secondary in Montreal, I thought they played a really good game against Edmonton. And am I worried about the Eskimos? No. Am I worried about them this week going up against Toronto? I'm really not. The Argos, as as much as they put up a pretty decent fight against Calgary, I still think they're the team that you're picking on right now. And and I think that now here's a case where Trevor Harris is at his first bad game of the season. And I think there's a little motivation for him to bounce back. And you see the totals that players like C.J. Gable and Greg Ellingson and some of the other big playmakers in Edmonton put up last week. I don't think they're worried about how our fantasy scores are doing, but I think they're worried about how they help their offense. So, yeah, I'm not worried about Edmonton, and they look primed for a big-time bounce back in Week 7. Montreal Alouettes, by the way, uh, on the bye this week, but giving up 361 passing yards per game. Keeping in mind, their first three games, they allowed 400-yard passers. So, 
you know what? I, I was wrong about Bob Slowick, and I'm, and I'm quickly coming to that determination. I thought it was going to be a full-year transition for that defense, and they'd struggle a bit under him. Uh, a coach that hasn't really been in the game as much recently, a former NFL coach, and you never know how quickly these guys are going to pick up the CFL game. But that Alouette's defense looks really good right now. So full credit to them. And, uh, yeah, I think the Eskimos are definitely in for a, for a bounce back this week. Uh, I really like that matchup against the Argos, uh, even though the Argos defense looked a little better against the Stamps. Um, I think if you can afford it, if you can pony up the money for Trevor Harris, you got to think about that. And, and second of all, you want to get some of those receivers in. You want to get some of those receivers in your lineup because um, outside of Greg Ellingson, the, the prices aren't exactly through the roof. There are some affordable options there, including a personal favorite of mine, uh, Ricky Collins, who I'm looking to get again this week. The Argos are on the end of a long road trip too. They haven't been home in a long, long time, so I'm sure they're getting tired. Still a great week to pick on them. How do you pick between these receivers? Because they're each getting a ton of targets, eight, six. Which which ones do you gravitate towards? You said Ricky Collins is one of your favorites? One, yeah, he's my favorite just because of affordability, and he gets a lot of targets. Also, I, I love the fact that he was barely doing anything this past game, and then fourth quarter he gets one catch at the end of the game and takes it for like 40 yards, putting him in double digits. And yeah. that basically saved my week. I was going to have three highly highly priced receivers doing virtually nothing with Greg Ellingson along with Reggie Bagleton. So Ricky Collins, very athletic receiver, and to me he comes in at the right price, and he's a big part of that offense. I think they're all going to get fed this week, though, to be honest. I really do. I think they're all going to get the ball this week. The guy to watch for me is Devaris Daniels because after not playing the first few weeks of the season – he had a nice start to his to his year against BC, caught a touchdown in his first appearance of the season, but you saw Trevor Harris go to him a whole lot more in this second game against Montreal. He was a constant target. He had six touches. He did not have a great game fantasy-wise. It's not like we were talking about a lot of yards and a couple of touchdowns, but the fact that he was one of the prime targets for Harris, and we know how talented Daniels is, I think he might be ready to have his biggest game of the season, too. So he's still relatively inexpensive when you take a look at some of the other receivers, especially when you compare him to Greg Ellingson. I think Tavares Daniels might be the guy to watch as they go up against Toronto. And remember, as Hannah said, they're doing this game at home, too. Yeah, Pat, you've been a, a big Greg Ellingson guy through the first quarter of the season. And outside of that Week 2 performance, Hasn't been all that great. He finally broke Jeff's prediction at the beginning of the season that he'd it's have double-digit fantasy dream points is over. every single week. It was a lofty goal to begin with. It was. He only put up 5.8. Have you felt burned by Ellingson? Are you moving on from him for a little bit? Because you got to think he's been pretty disappointing at his price. I was feeling pretty good after week two. You're like, <laughs> see, I told you. It's a casual uh, yeah, 38 hasn't, points. Hasn't, yeah. been yep. as, hasn't been as good of late. And, you know, when, when you think about all the targets there and you think about the, the type of quarterback Harris is, maybe, maybe I was a little bit too bullish on him. I still think from a talent perspective, Ellingson is a top two or three receiver in the league bar none. But when you're talking about a really good group of receivers and Devaris Daniels entering the fold, uh, I know that Ricky Collins is a guy that we uh, are big fans of and Kenny Stafford still gets his looks. Uh, yeah, may maybe, maybe I was a little bit too bullish on him early on. And I take a look at that price 
Coming out of week two, $8,600, yeah, all day. After three straight just okay performances, I don't know if being around $9,000 is, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that and putting him in my lineup. On the Toronto side of things, Darrell Walker targeted nine times last game. He did produce in a game where he was matched up against Trey Roberson, and we all know the damage he's done so far this season. So is Walker back on the radar? He is getting more targets. He's getting more action. Do you feel confident now putting him into your lineup? Big return to Edmonton for Darrell Walker, ready to show up his former team. Got a, got a big chip on the shoulder and ready to go. I, I think I'm ready to roll with him this week. You're back? I, it's two weeks in a row where he, was, where he was one of the highest targeted players in the game. And, Are and those the only two weeks you didn't pick him? No, I only had him one game. Okay. Uh, didn't have him for his break, two breakout games. But I had him the game before that as a lock, and he let me down. Yeah. Actually, my last, don't check my history, but my last four locks, I think, have not come through for me. So... Uh, check who I'm locking in and go the other way, I guess. <laughs> but uh, I like what Darrell Walker's doing. Uh, and uh, we, we discussed it. It was the hot topic a week ago at this time. And my, my determination, my conclusion on that was Diago sat down and said, hey, we got to get Darrell Walker the football. They've done that two weeks in a row now. And I'm confident that this offense now revolves around not the quarterback, not James Wilder Jr., but Darrell Walker, a receiver. As it should be. And he's the type of player that – it doesn't matter. Like he's one of the few guys in this league, and there's only a few of them. He is that dynamic, that quick, that sure-handed. That doesn't really matter what the matchup is. Doesn't really matter who's throwing him the ball. Whether you like Bethel Thompson or Franklin better, if if Darrell Walker is going to be a focal point of this offense, he can turn a seven-yard catch over the middle into a twenty-six-yard twenty-six-yard uh, touchdown. So, yeah, I. I'm a whole lot more comfortable in Darrell Walker now than I have been at any point. And I don't mind that price, guys. Under $8,000 for a player with that type of talent. And what, he's put up 52 points in his last two weeks. Granted, 39 of those came in one game. But even last week, targeted, targeted numerous times. Seven touches plus 70-plus yards. Still a pretty solid week without a touchdown. So, yeah, I'm feeling a whole lot better about Darrell Walker now. Friday night. Tim Hortons Field, game of the week, game of the season so far, maybe. 5-0 and Bombers up against the Ticats. Probably the Bombers' biggest test so far this year. They played Edmonton once, and that one, they kept them out of the end zone. But that's been their biggest test so far. I think Hamilton's a whole new ball game for them. Are one of these teams going to end the Grey Cup drought? Is anyone ready to call that right now? Any, any crazy predictions out there? No. It's week seven. Pat? I I really like what I see from Winnipeg. Uh, sorry to jinx it, but Here we go. I, yeah, that's a jinx if I've ever this heard. This is of. a prediction coming. I've never lived that's in a, a world a good where they can win. Team. I've never I can't. I can't call it. Hannah can't envision it. No. I don't know what that tries, looks like. She does not know what a Winnipeg Blue Bombers Grey Cup looks like. I've never known what a 5 and 0 team looks like either though. There you go. And here right, we are. 1960 so. was the last time uh, the Bombers started 5-0. and It was the topic of Pat's Monday morning quarterback, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And uh, they don't have any weaknesses, as good as the offense looks. The defense is unbeatable. Uh, you don't want to play anybody against them. And I'm excited for this matchup. This is, I was really excited about Winnipeg and Edmonton when they met a few weeks ago. Um, this one may top that. My excitement for this game, it's a potential great cup rematch. Uh, well, no, potential great cup matchup. <laughs> 
maybe 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 rematch in 2020. We'll get there maybe, but uh, uh, then Hannah's head would explode. Um, I, I think I think this is going to be a true measuring stick for both teams to see where they stand as elite teams in the CFL. This is, I mean, from a matchup standpoint, it's unbelievable. This is going to be a heck of a matchup, and and I'm looking forward to seeing who comes out on top. But, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, this one's really interesting to me because you've got a Hamilton team that, I don't know. I don't know. Like, when you take a look at this Ticats team, I don't know if you are in love with the way that they run the football, but you love the way that, Jeremiah Mazzoli runs that offense, and from a passing standpoint, you feel confident that they're going to be able to be in the 290, 300, 350 range when it's all said and done. So Winnipeg is incredible against the run. There's not a team that that shuts it down better. The fact that John Crockett almost had 90 yards against him is pretty darn impressive, especially knowing the way that game script went. So I, I this this is a really interesting game because Hamilton is not a team that runs the ball a lot, and they're near the bottom of the league in terms of rushing attempts. And I'm curious to see how that plays into this game script. Do we see more of an aerial attack on both sides? And if that's the case... I'm not saying that Winnipeg's not good against the pass. They're just fine. But I think that... I. I certainly wouldn't be shying away from Tiger Cats in this matchup. And that's not a knock on the Bombers because I don't think there's a weakness on that team right now. And I could absolutely see them playing for a Grey Cup in November. It's more just this game looks like it might be one where passing is the priority. And if that's the case, you've got Jeremiah Mazzoli. If they're going to throw the ball 40 times in this matchup, then Mazzoli's probably going to get 300 yards. I'm also a little bit confused as to how this game's going to look because because Mazzoli can throw a risky pass, and this Winnipeg D has been scooping those up. I wouldn't be surprised if he threw two or three picks in the game, and I also wouldn't be surprised if he put up 30 fantasy points in the same game. Like, I don't know. I don't know. What to do here. Do you take the Bombers' defense? Do you just write this game off completely? I'm confused. The Bombers tied first in the CFL with 17 turnovers forced, uh, plus nine turnover ratio. Here's the stat that interests me the most, because these teams are first and second in the CFL, Winnipeg first, Hamilton second, in opponent offensive points, Winnipeg allowing 13.2 points per game. That is incredibly low. Uh, Hamilton is second at 18.4, but guess what? They're the two leading teams in the CFL in offensive points per game score. Mm Mm-hmm with both over 30 points per game offensively. So what no side idea. wins out, right? <laughs> you're looking, you could say, wow, this could be, you know, both teams could put up 30-plus points. It could be a shootout. It could also be a chess match where it's like a 21-18 final and there are uh, 20 punts in the game or something like that. Like We don't know what's going to happen, and that's what's so amazing about it. I'll bet you a, a defensive touchdown is the difference Okay. We'll circle back. Hannah's right. calling it. Defensive touchdown. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Uh, I, I, move, move, well, before we move on from this, um, is there a player from this game, one particular player that stands out that you want in your lineup this week? Mm-hmm. Whew. It's pretty quiet. Pretty quiet <laughs> on here. I'm thinking it's sounding like I'm that thinking. Winnipeg-Hamilton matchup is one to, take, one, to, uh, one to stay away from. I got my eyes on Braylon Addison. That's... Uh, that's about it for me right now. Um, don't know what's happening with all the injuries in Winnipeg with that receiving corpse. 
Um, I, I mean, Lucky Whitehead, if he's if he's healthy, that's he's that's a guy cheap. that interests me. Man, he's the, still Lucky cheap. Whitehead and Brandon Banks are probably the two most exciting players in this league right now. We're going to see them go head to head. So a chance at a big play there. Um, but I like Braylon Addison on the tie cat side as well. Good price right now. Well, and if there's one player for me, it's it probably comes down to Mazzoli. I just I I, I know that he is. I know that he is extremely expensive, so you always have to take that with. When you're talking about $11,200 for a quarterback, you always have to take that into consideration. But I do think Mazzoli's in for a big game. And again, it has nothing to do with anything on the Winnipeg side. I just feel like this game is going to be one from a Hamilton standpoint where they pass the ball a lot. And when you're talking about a guy like Mazzoli and he does that, yeah, I, I think that he could have a pretty solid game fantasy-wise. So he, he would be the one that I'd be looking at. I don't know if I've got the stomach to put $11,000 in a quarterback at this stage of the game, but if that's the way that you go about shaping your lineup, then he'd be one to certainly look at. Last game of the week, Saturday, BC-Sask rematch. They played last week. Saskatchewan came out on top uh, in a big way. We don't have the odds for this game yet. It's in the Dome. A lot of points last week. If you're working for Leo Vegas and you're setting the odds, what's the over-under here? Okay, let's see. Let's see if I can be a professional odds maker here. I'm thinking, you know what? This 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 was a high-scoring game last week. The Riders almost put points. up 40, 40 points. Yeah. I think it come, and you're playing in the dome. I still think it comes down a little bit. I'm saying I'm setting the over-under at uh, 51 and a half. That's what I'm going with here. So well under last week. Well under last week, but I mean that that was. Uh, 60 is high for any CFL game. So, seems like we've had a lot of. We've had them. We've had them. Uh, You just feel that this one maybe comes down to earth a little bit. Defense is tightened up. It's a rematch. They got a little more on film. Yeah, the one, the one back to back, head to head we've had so far was split. Each team won one, but uh, both very high scoring games. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see another one up there. Close to the 60-point mark, at least. So you're going over my over? I'm going to go over yeah, your over. over. Okay. I'm, I'm definitely over 51.5. Just because I think moving to the Dome helps BC. I think moving to the Dome specifically helps Mike Riley. I don't know. I thought, and, and, and not all of it was on him because he was under siege all game against Saskatchewan. Give the Riders credit. They, they came up with a really good... Really good game plan. And for a lot of the time, they were getting pressure on Riley by rushing three as opposed to four. But I don't know. I just I kind of felt that Riley, as much as he threw for almost 350 yards, I just kind of felt like he was very pedestrian again. And and I think that it again, that's not about him and the type of quarterback that he is. It just comes down to the growing pains this BC offense is having. But back in the dome and knowing what we've already talked about against uh, when talking about Saskatchewan. Yeah, I think that we could be talking about even a higher scoring game. We had 50, what, that's quick math, 63 points uh, in the game in Saskatchewan. So I could I could see us being close to 60 again, and I think we might be talking about it being a little bit closer than 13 points when it's all said and done. Yeah, Mike Riley had his second best week of the year. Like you said, 346 yards, rush for another 30 his price is still pretty high. He's still at $11,000. Any interest, Jeff? Not till they can protect him. Not till they can protect him. You know what? The Riders' defense 
it wasn't looking all that dominant coming into this week, but you know what the cure for that is? Apparently playing the BC Lions because Charleston Hughes had a day. Charleston Hughes leads the CFL in sacks with eight. He's on his way to another double-digit sack season, and all of a sudden that Riders defense looks great again. So I, I'm, I'm not comfortable rolling the dice with, with Mike Riley. That is a true dice roll, by the way, mm-hmm. um, with the way that, that, uh, the way that the Lions are struggling to protect Mike Riley and give him time to do his thing. If we were playing in an IDP league, Charleston Hughes would have had an MVP-type game. Ten tackles, three sacks, two forced fumbles. Like, if you play IDP fantasy football, that's an incredible game that you don't see more than once a year. But you know what? I when, you, when you're talking about even playing defense as opposed to individual players like we do in CFL fantasy, when you've got an offensive line that has struggled as much as BC's has... I think you look at it and say, yeah, there's a chance to rack up some points. There's a chance to get some of those value-added points on some sacks and, and maybe force an interception or two. Riley threw a pick against Saskatchewan last time out. So this this lineup is this this matchup rather is still really intriguing from a defense perspective. If there's one defense that I'm looking at more than anybody else this week, even though I think this could be a high-scoring one, uh, I think Saskatchewan's defense is one to really look at because I think they could put up some points once again. Hold the phone here. You're telling me you're you're forcasting sixty plus points, but you're going defense, eh? All right, that's yeah, interesting. Because I think because yeah. I think we you could you can see you can see a 35-25 game and see five sacks and a pick six. That's a good chunk that's of true. points if you're talking about uh, an opposing defense. I still think that defenses in Edmonton and certainly Calgary are a little more appealing this week than the Riders' defense against Mike Riley. But it worked out all right for the Riders last week. I don't know if you can talk about defense considering you took Toronto's defense two weeks ago. Yeah, but that was a punt. That was a punt play. That was a $3,200 defense, and they got me two points. They didn't get me I thought they got you minus one. Uh, I thought they got me two points. Mm, Either is terrible. Um, (laughs) Running backs in BC. Brandon Rutley had 13 carries last week. Uh, John White only had three. Both Top of, of the depth chart, John White. Number one on the depth yeah. chart. Uh, wasn't a scratch. Played in the game, but uh, badly outnumbered in carries by Brandon Rutley. 13 to 3. Is, is he taking that number one job, and should we be taking him? White had a really nice run, too. That's what's a little surprising about the whole thing. I wonder if right now BC is in, in such flux, and they're trying to figure things out in such a big way. I don't even know if they know the answer to that question. Like, if you were to sit down and talk to the BC Offensive Brain Trust right now and say, okay, from a fantasy standpoint, this week against Saskatchewan, should we put in White or should we put in Rutley? I'm not even sure they know because I I, I think from a week-to-week basis, it's changing because prior to this, John White had, what, two, three really good weeks in a row where he was clearly the number one guy and he was putting up pretty solid averages in terms of his touches, had a couple of touchdowns, was being used in the receiving game, and now all of a sudden Rutley's cutting into his carries. So I think it's still very much a work in progress with BC in terms of their overall offense and how they want to balance run, pass, and who's touching the ball on the ground. So as of right now, I I don't know how comfortable I am with either Rutley or White because I I just don't know how they're going to go about it this week. To me, there was a pretty strong indication that this move was coming when the Lions brought in Ryan Lankford 
And I didn't think it would happen this quickly, but Brandon Rutley was doing fine on returns, and they replaced him with Lankford. I think part of that was they want to use Rutley more on offense as a featured back. And Rutley's always been talented. He's just never gotten his chance. And last year, when it looked like he was going to get his chance, he had a season-ending injury. So I'm really intrigued by the upside of Brandon Rutley, and I hope the Lions are going to give him a shot. Am I ready to take the risk on him in fantasy? I thought about it a little bit. But with some of the low-cost options out there, you know, Kadeem Carey, uh, John Crockett, uh, another guy we didn't really talk about earlier, Malik Irons with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Um, Even if Brandon Burks plays this week, if Wilder's out, there are a lot of low-cost options there. So I think it would be a pretty big gamble to go with Rutley at this point. But long-term, I got eyes on Rutley because I think he's capable of big things. And I think the Lions think so too. I think they're intrigued by him. Let's do a quick shout-out to Defenses, who saved my week. Defense! Saved Jeff's week. Start a defense chant. Defense! No. Didn't catch on. You know when you're at a game and you you try to start the defense? I've never done this. I've never been embarrassed like this. But you you try to start the defense chant and nobody else does it, and then you're just sitting there like an idiot? That sounds like a first-hand I've never story. had that happen, but it's just, uh, that's why I'm scared to do it. I don't want to be embarrassed <laughs> in public. You don't want to be that guy? I don't want to be embarrassed in public. We haven't debated defense much like we did last year when I never took them. And this, this year I've taken them every week, and I think it's helped. Pat, you had no defense last week. Which defense are you looking at this week? Or, Pat, are you still rolling with the no D? I'm pretty sure I had a defense last week. Did you? Yeah, I just it scored it me no points. It just didn't work. <laughs> I said it. I I said it earlier. I know that Edmonton's got the sexier matchup with uh, going up against Toronto and knowing that you know they they certainly have had their struggles on offense. But something about Saskatchewan going on the road into BC and uh, I just think I just think there's a lot of opportunity there because when you're talking about Charleston Hughes and you're talking about Micah Johnson, I still think they're going to get pressure on the quarterback and. With the way this BC offense is struggling right now, you get pressure on the quarterback. I think that there can be some confusion. So, you know, you can get three or four sacks out of that Saskatchewan D and maybe get yourself a defensive touchdown, which I think is very much in the cards. I, I think from a high-scoring standpoint, I think Saskatchewan's the most intriguing. From a matchup standpoint, yeah, Edmonton would be the one that makes the most sense. So Saskatchewan and Edmonton certainly jump off the page to me. And, and I guess I, I'd be curious as to where you guys are on Calgary going up against Ottawa. Well, back to Edmonton for a second. The Eskimos uh, lead the CFL with sacks at 19. The Argos have turned the ball over the most in the CFL by far with 21. The next closest team is Ottawa at 13. That is a really big gap. Yeah. The Argos coming off a seven turnover game. The Argos actually probably had enough yards. Like They did enough. They moved the ball enough to beat Calgary. They turned the ball over seven times, leading to 22 points. For the Calgary Stampeders. So, yeah, that's a matchup I'm looking at. And uh, you know what? The Argos also 66 points, opponent points coming off those turnovers. So if I'm thinking about this from a saving standpoint where Edmonton has a relatively cheap defense, I'm actually stacking that with some of Edmonton's offensive players as well and thinking, all right, the Esks are going to force some turnovers and the offense is going to turn that into points. And this is going to be a really big day. For you in fantasy, because you got a lot of Edmonton Eskimos on your team. So um, the Ottawa thing, I got Calgary in my lineup this week. I got the Stamps in my lineup. Defense? Um, Stamps defense in my lineup. I'm going with the McLeod, Bethel, Thompson, Darrell Walker stack this week, hoping the Argos don't turn it over seven (laughs) times. It wouldn't make any sense to take the Eskimos defense for me and my team and my situation. 
Um, but I want another so crack just, at Jonathan you just, Jennings. You just went on a tirade about how good go- doing all that with Edmonton <laughs> is, and now you're taking two members of the other team? Yep. No, but I'm not taking... Well, th- that's why I'm not taking Edmonton's defense because I'm, I'm stacking <laughs> two Argos on my team. So my, my, Fair enough. my standpoint on this Just is my strategy on this is as follows. I, I think the Eskimos are going to put up a ton of points on the Argos. Uh, the Argos are going to have to throw the ball around a lot, playing from behind, just like we've seen in the last few weeks. And McLeod Bethel-Thompson with 40, 45 passing attempts is going to do some damage along with Darrell Walker. That's my, that's my approach enough. to this. I also have uh, Calgary D in my lineup. They have a touchdown in four out of five games. It's amazing. And one called back, too. And one called back. Those 20 points were great. I also think that the Bombers could be a sneaky pick. They're either going to get 20 points or they're going to get two points. And Adam Bighill might be back. Yeah, that's true. Adam Bighill. He's Big practicing Hill. this week. So I, I'm not brave enough to take Winnipeg, but I think you should think about taking Winnipeg. And then you can yell at me later if I'm wrong. But don't say I didn't warn you. Defensive touchdown this week, says Hannah. Yep. Defensive touchdown. They did it last week. I think they can do it again. That's time for the three-minute warning. Three-minute warning now, or is it? It is the warning. It's where we make our money picks. It's where we make our lock of the weeks, whether we listen to them or not. Jeff, I'm looking at you. But let's start with money picks. It's getting tough, guys. There's not a lot of players below the $3,500 mark and above that $2,500 mark. So... That being said, who did you find in that money pick range? Pat? I know he had a really tough week last week, and I know that, Jeff, you you pinpointed him as the lock of the week last week. I, I, I think there's a good chance of a bounce back for Caleb Hawley in Ottawa. Only saw one touch in the game against Winnipeg. But before that, he had some pretty solid totals. If you're looking to get a guy in who can flirt with double digits and who's going to be under $3,500, I, I still think Hawley's one of those guys. So Caleb Hawley's got a matchup against Calgary this week. At home, he's at just under $3,300. He's my money pick this week. It is a really tough week for money picks. Everybody that we said at the beginning of the year was a money pick is now out of that $3,500 yeah. range. So I'm kind of blanking a little bit. But, uh, you know, with the money picks, it's a roll of the dice. So don't expect huge things. But it's just gives you a bit of that cap flexibility. And if that money pick comes through and gets it hits double digits for you, it's a good week. I'm going with Kenny Lawler to repeat uh, his good fortune in week six. I thought he broke out as a Bombers receiver, and it's starting to look like an embarrassment of riches in that Bombers receiving corpse. But the best part about it is you don't know who it's going to be every week. And at $2,500, if it's Lawler, uh, that's a really big high upside gamble for you, and it's going to make your fantasy team uh, really hit that ceiling. I got a lot of green in my lineup so far this week. I don't know if it's going to stay that way, but my money pick is out of Saskatchewan. Corey Watson had a season-high four catches last week. That number keeps trending up, and uh, I like the rematch potential. He's sitting at around $3,100. So Corey Watson is my money pick this week. Let's go lock of the week. Jeff, last week you had William Powell, correct? Yeah, that's true. I had William Powell in my lineup, and you broke the lock of the week rule, and I was just hoping he put up 35 points, not only for me, but to spite you not playing the guy that you locked into your lineup. 
It's more of a guideline than a rule. No, it's actually it's our only rule. It's more of a general rule. guideline. It's actually the only rule we have. And when we're when we're locking in on Monday night, it's really tough to... You have to it's structure your whole team that way. It's not that I, I sacrificed William Powell for another high-priced running back. I changed my strategy completely. I did a ratio change. You sure did. I went did. with two really cheap running backs so that I could get three really expensive receivers. Who is your lock this week? My Whether lock of the week. follow it or not. My lock of the week, and he will be in my lineup 100%, I promise you. <laughs> Toronto Argonauts receiver Darrell Walker. Talked about him a little bit earlier, but again, Darrell Walker, elite separation, and I just broke my pen. And the Argos are trying to find ways to get him the football. That's the biggest thing here. Targets, targets, targets. Drell Walker, when he was in Edmonton, averaged double-digit targets. Starting to get to that point, at least inching closer to that point with the Argos. If the Argos are going to win a game, you can bet Drell Walker is going to play a really big role in that. I'm sticking with the same game, but on the other side, I'm going to go C.J. Gable against this Argos defense. I take a look at how Toronto's doing uh, in terms of trying to stop other teams running on them. It hasn't worked very well. They're averaging almost 140 yards a game on the ground. Again, C.J. Gable has had really one tough game all year long, and that was this past week against Montreal. I think Gable's primed for a big-time bounce back. He's expensive, but... I'd get him in your lineup. I got C.J. Gable in Edmonton as my lock of the week. And more green for me. Kyron Moore is my lock this week. He gets catches even in the weeks where Cody Fajardo struggles. So in a week where I think it's going to be high scoring, Kyron Moore had a great week last week. I think he's going to do even better this week. Kyron Moore is my lock. That'll do it for our week seven edition of the podcast as we've got two games on Thursday, one game on Friday night football, and then a game Saturday in BC. Hannah says I make this part too long usually, so I'll keep it short. For more of your fantasy football fix, head over to cfl.ca. Check out the lineup tools from Daily Roto. And also tune into the waggle this week. Davis Sanchez and Donovan Bennett bringing you weekly greatness. Much better. And make sure you subscribe and listen to us every week. We're on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, or you can listen to us on cfl.ca. The CFL Fantasy Podcast is presented by Leo Vegas. Don't forget to follow along on Twitter as well. Lots of interaction so far. Uh, Jeff's on Twitter, at Jeff Creever. Hannah's at HL Nordman. I'm at Fan960Steinberg. We'll talk now to you say for it in week German. eight. Uh, mein, Deutsch, mein Deutsch ist nicht gut. I've used that a lot since I've been over here. Uh, I will be in Munich next week for our CFL Fantasy Podcast. Uh, You two survive the heat wave in Toronto. Check us out in week eight. That's when we're coming at you next on the CFL Fantasy Podcast.